His name is above all names. His name should be honored and sacred to us as believers. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Now here's Pastor Steve with today's Core Truth. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 20. I entitled this message, Watch what you say. There I was on a job site as a co-worker looked at me and said, you make me sick. And I'm like, really? I was confronted on my coarse and filthy mouth and it caught me off guard. You know, it's not like this guy that was confronting me on this was a poster child of etiquette. Okay. He was a total scrapper himself, a little rough around the edges to say the least. So I really didn't know how to respond. So I'm just like, yeah, well, whatever. And I just walked out because he was working in this place and I was working in the apartment next door. So I just went back over and finished my job. He finished his. I didn't see him again. And I just, you know, I just pretty much blew it off. Well, the backstory there is that three days earlier, I was talking with someone and my filthy mouth was going. And this person said to me, someone told me that you're a Christian. And I said, yes, I am. (laughs) Because I was sincere about this commitment that I made to Christ just maybe a couple months before that. I'm like, yes, I am. And then they, then they said to me, well, do you read your Bible? Now, now that I think about that, it was like, obviously you don't because (laughs) you don't look like a Christian. But it didn't, that didn't catch with me then. I just said, no, I don't have a Bible, which I didn't. And he goes, you come to my house after work. And I did. I went to his house after work, and him and his wife took me up to the local Christian bookstore. They bought me the most expensive Bible in that bookstore, a study Bible with a leather cover, and they put my name on it. And I was like, so enamored with this thing. So here I am. I had just started like a couple days before this incident that happened where he said, you make me sick. Okay, so I had just started reading the Bible every morning, okay? So here I am now, I'm about the three days into it, and uh, I, I get up that morning. So there it was. It was just another morning. It's like a morning like any other morning that you get up. I worked in construction, so I'm up at five o'clock in the morning. I got dressed. I sat down to eat my bowl of cereal. I wasn't expecting anything out of the ordinary on this morning. And all of a sudden, I had an encounter with God. But that's when I just randomly was just like not expecting it. So I sat down, I flipped the Bible open, and my eyes landed on this verse. Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word is good for edification according to the need of the moment that it may give grace to those who hear. So I'm sitting there, And I kind of looked in my head, and I'm thinking about yesterday. You make me sick with your filthy mouth. And I'm like, and I'm thinking about it, and that's when it happened. I mean, just out of nowhere. It's like, as I sat there, I'm just like, oh my goodness. It's like, God spoke to me. I don't want you to cuss anymore. It was not an audible voice. 
It was not something like the whole, you know, house was going to the house, but it was in my head and it was so clear. And I'm just sitting there. And then I went on to read, you know, there in chapter 5, verse 4 of Ephesians, it says, and there must be no filthy or silly talk, no coarse jesting, which is not fitting. I'm like, oh my goodness. I realized for the very first time that the God who inspired these very verses that I was reading was now speaking to me through what I just read. And that was just incredible to me. For me to just grasp onto this very fact for the very first time in my young Christian life, it hit me so clearly that my faith in Christ as my Savior was something so much bigger than what I had ever thought it was going to be. For I was just 18 years old, and I didn't have any prior experience with any kind of religion or church or anything. It was all new to me. At this time, it just seemed crazy, but it was so cool. Like, God is going to speak to me sitting here at 5 o'clock in the morning eating my bowl of cereal? I started to understand that God was something, he was so much more than this mysterious entity that somehow, you know, existed in heaven. This was the beginning of me realizing that God really wanted to have a personal relationship with me. And I thought to myself, if he is willing to speak to me over a bowl of cereal. What else is he capable of doing in my life? What is his purpose? What is his plan? Like, why would he speak to me so clearly? It changed everything. It was a humongous game changer for me. I stopped cussing that day. I used to drop three F-bombs in every sentence, whether it was needed or not, okay? And it's like, That day, boom, it was like the major Holy Spirit, soap on the tongue, I'm done, mouth is clean from that moment on. It was so radical for me. Well, I entitled today's message, Watch What You Say. And we certainly need to do that, for it's really easy to say something that we will later regret. And I'm sure we know what that means for all of us. But what about the things that we say to God? Or what about when we say no to God and we say no to his perfect will in our life? When we're not willing to go up and talk to someone when he wants us to talk to them by not doing what he desires us to do. Or we turn aside from what we know is right and we do what is wrong. Like, yeah, I know this is wrong, but I'm going to do it anyway. Or even worse, what about when some people get angry and they curse God? Well, We're going to look at that and more as we continue in our study here through the Ten Commandments of God. For God established a written law for all of humanity to live by. But why did he do that? Well, if God had not written it down, then how would we know what God instituted as right and wrong if he didn't write it down? That's why God used Moses, the most recognized and accepted prophet among men, to record the law of God. For Moses is mentioned in the Bible over 850 times. That's more than anyone else in the entire Bible outside of God himself. Yes, God has the right to be the final authority of what is right and what is wrong 
for all of humanity. That's why God set into motion a moral code that his creation is called to live by. We are his creation, and we are called to live by God's moral code. Why again? Because he's the one that made all things. He created all life, all mass, everything seen, things unseen. And it's based on the fact that he again is the creator of all things, and we are subject as his creation to the law of God. And not only did God record his word in a written form to be passed down from generation to generation, but according to Romans 2, God has also given to every single person a conscience inside. Meaning God's law has been written upon the fleshly tablets of our own heart of every man and every woman. That's why our own hearts will bear witness against us if we break the law of God. That's why as soon as you lie and you cheat or you steal, it's like you know you're doing it. You're thinking, oh, I shouldn't do this. And you have that little guilt inside. That's because your conscience is confronting you of those feelings of guilt and shame. Now, as you know, if we do something wrong long enough, we no longer feel guilty. Now, does that make it right? I don't feel guilty anymore. No, it's still wrong. You just have calloused your heart and calloused your conscience so that you don't feel bad about it. I'm sure Guido that worked for the mafia, you know, is out killing people for the boss. Okay, I'm sure when he killed his first person, he might have felt a little bad about it. Like, yeah, that guy had a sad look on his face when I shot him. Okay, then after, you know, 20 people he's killed, he's like, hey, I don't feel bad about this anymore. Isn't that what we have in our society today? In many of our major cities where homicides are off the charts, you have people out there shooting people all the time. They don't feel bad about it anymore. Why? Because they've killed so many people. They've calloused their hearts. But it doesn't mean that it's right. It just means they've calloused themselves. It doesn't matter what sin nature it is, what sin aspect of our lives, if we do it long enough. And for a Christian, if you're living in sin and you have something that you're doing in your life that you know is wrong and you don't feel bad about it anymore, that's a problem. Because what you've done is you've calloused your heart. So here you are, a child of God, you're doing something actively that you know is wrong and it's like you don't really feel bad about it because you've calloused your heart. You need to go before the Lord and say, God, uncallous me. Let me be sensitive again to the prodding of your Holy Spirit so that I stop living this life that I'm living. Now, some people will say, well, I don't believe in the law of God. I don't even believe God. Yet they can't deny the effects of their own conscience as soon as they violate and break God's law. Yes, God is the creator. He is the architect of this creation. He has every right to set the standard by which his personal creation is to live by. That's why God wrote it down in detail so that humanity could not say, well, I didn't know that. I didn't know I wasn't supposed to do that. I had no clue that that was wrong. Well, as we have seen so far, The Ten Commandments is literally a summary or it's a really brief description of the entire law of God. It covers kind of the main points of how we should live. For all the details are written, though, in the first five books of the Bible, especially in the books of Leviticus and Deuteronomy. That's where we find the whole law laid out. And it's not Ten Commandments. It's 613 laws that we are to uphold. 
And that's in the Torah, the law of God. And the Torah is what? The law of God is what? It's instruction for us. It's teaching. It unfolds God's statutes and his decrees. Jesus affirmed the law of God when he said this in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. Sermon on the Mount, as you know, the longest recorded message that we have of Jesus. He might have gave tons of long messages, but this is the longest one we have recorded. But he said this in Matthew five seventeen: Do not think that I, Jesus Christ, came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass from the law until all is accomplished. Whoever then annuls one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever keeps and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Now there's many people today that will not teach the truth of God's word. I'm not talking about known cults like Jehovah's Witnesses or Mormons or, you know, all the other religions that are out there. I'm talking about churches that claim to be Christian churches, and they do exactly what Jesus said. They annul the commandments of God. They do not want to teach the truth of God's word. Why? Because it might cause someone to walk out the door. I don't like that person. It happens to me all the time. So when you drive by core church and you're up and down La Cienega, like, I hate that guy. No, 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 no. It's not me. Okay. It's not me. You have a problem with God and what he has said in his word. Paul affirmed the law of God throughout the entire book of Romans, as does the rest of the New Testament. And again, the law's author, who is the author of the law? It's God himself. He was speaking directly to Moses. That's why God puts all the emphasis on his written word, because God is the divine author the originator, the producer of the very Bible that we hold in our hands here today. That's why we're told in Galatians 1.8, the apostle Paul says, but though we, meaning me, any of the other disciples, anybody writing any of the New Testament here, though we are an angel from heaven. Isn't it amazing? Who gave the Book of Mormon? Yes, it was the angel Moroni. Yes. The angel, you know, Gabriel supposedly, you know, spoke uh, the book of Islam. You know, it's like, uh, okay, uh, it's like the we or an angel that comes down from heaven gives you anything other than what we have given you, let them be accursed. And in case you didn't hear that, he repeats himself in verse 9. And he says, though I said before, I'll say it again, though we or an angel from heaven give any other word than what we've given you, let them be accursed. That word accursed, by the way comes from the Greek word ananthema, which means let them be as far separated from God as conceivably possible. It's like, wow, you mess around with God's word? You take away from it? You add to it? You mess with it in any way? He's like, you're going to be as far separated from God as conceivably possible. Yeah, so what does all of this mean to us? Well, no matter what we see uh, change in our culture today, If it's contrary to what is written in the word of God, then it's wrong and it's still sin. Things don't change just to be politically correct. And why is that? Because God never changes. And plus, it doesn't matter what we think or we feel, because some of you might right now be, you know, like a little like offended. Like, well, things change and this is the 21st century. But listen, not to be offensive to you, but it doesn't matter what you think. 
It doesn't matter what I think. What it matters is what has God said. That's what matters. And it never, ever changes. What God has said, that is what's important. And for us to glean what he says and to have a biblical worldview, no matter what we come up against. A biblical worldview is like, no matter what the world throws at us, well, what does God say to do? What would Jesus do in this situation? We're not to have a secular worldview, which is ways and just goes wherever the wind tosses it. So let us read again the Ten Commandments in its context once again, as we read, picking up in Exodus chapter 20, verse 1. It says, Then God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Verse 3, here's commandment number one. You shall have no other gods before me. Verse number four is commandment number two. You shall not make for yourself an idol of any likeness, that which is above heaven or below earth or in the water or under the earth. You shall not worship them or serve them, for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of our fathers on the children of the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing loving kindness to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments. Verse number seven, this is the third commandment. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. Verse number eight, this is the fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath for the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male or your female servants, or your cattle or the sojourner who is staying with you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, and he made it holy. Here's your fifth commandment. Verse number 12, honor your father and your mother that your days may be prolonged in the land in which the Lord your God has given you. Verse number 13 is your sixth commandment. You shall not murder. Verse 14, your seventh commandment. You shall not commit adultery. Verse 15, the eighth commandment. You shall not steal. Verse 16, the ninth commandment. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And the 10th commandment, verse 17, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or his female servants or his ox or his donkey. Make sure you don't do that anyway. Or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Well, with that said, we'll stop there for a moment. That's the law of God in its entirety as recorded in the Bible. So here we're going to look at the third and fourth commandments. And notice how the first four commandments have to do with our relationship with God, while the last six commandments have to do with our relationship with one another. So let's read verse 7 again as we consider our first point, which is the third commandment, guarding our tongue. Exodus chapter 20, verse 7 says again, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. Yes, we are not to take the name of the Lord our God in vain. But what does that even mean exactly? It means not to use God's name in a vain way. Vain in this context means using God's name in an empty, idle, frivolous, 
and insincere way. But some might say, well, what does that even mean? It means that our God is holy and his name should never be used or spoken thoughtlessly. It should never be misused. It should never be a filler word. It should never be swore to falsely. Like some people will say when they're lying, I swear to God, man. It's like, don't do that. Even when you're being honest, you don't swear by the name of the Lord God. The Bible says in Leviticus 19.2, And you shall not swear falsely by my name, so as to profane the name of your God, I am the Lord. Basically, you know, whenever we use the name of the Lord, it should always be used with a heartfelt sincerity, like when we're worshiping him. Leviticus 22.32 says, And you shall not profane my holy name, but I will be sanctified among the sons of Israel. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. You know, when we have worship here, and we have the whole team up here, and we're singing these songs. This is not like a, just a buffer zone. I encourage you that you might, you know, try to get here a little early to get the whole worship time, because what the worship is trying to say is like Irene over here on the keyboard. She's like, what she's saying is like, will you come and join me? Because we're going to go to daddy's house, and we're going to worship him. You know, it's like Benjamin over here saying, you know, like, hey, come and join me, gang, because we're going to go up to the father's house, and we're going to sit in his family room, and we're just going to worship him. That's what the whole worship team here comes for. It's like, hey, come join us. We're going to go worship. That's why we lower the lights during our worship time. That's, you know, to kind of keep you focused, because we don't want you looking around like, Gee, where they get dressed in the closet with the lights turned off? I mean, like, you know, no, it's like, let's just focus on the Lord here. Let's close our eyes. Let's raise up our hands. Why, why do some people raise their hands? I know some people think, ah, what's with those crazy Christians that are raising their hands and this looks weird. It's like, hold on. Raising your hands is a universal sign of surrender. It's like, I surrender to you. Amen. And I worship you. I surrender and I worship. And so it's like we need to honor the Lord our God. We need to worship him. Let's not forget when the Hebrew scholars, when they were copying the scriptures, they didn't have copy machines back then. So when they wanted to copy another scroll of the book, they would meticulously, meticulously, this is what I can commend the Jewish Hebrew scholars for this. They would take their time. They would have every single word. That's why when they found the Dead Sea Scrolls, That's when they found the scrolls and they unrolled them, you know, in Qumran. You know, they unrolled them and it's like, it's exactly what we have. It's like a 99.9% accuracy rate for the Bible that we hold today. Why? Because the Hebrew scholars would take their time. And when they got to the name of God, they would put the pen down. They would get up and they would go wash themselves and come back just to write his name. That's the respect that they had for the name of God. And it's still like that today. I remember when me and my son were in Jerusalem and uh, we were down by the welling wall and I was talking to these two young rabbis that were sent, you know, from Philly of all places. They lived in Philly. I'm like, hey, I've been to Philly multiple times. And, you know, we're talking and I started sharing about Christ being the true Messiah, the Savior. And this other older rabbi came over because he seen that I was proselytizing these two young guys. And, and all of a sudden he comes over and he just starts yelling at me. And I said, you know, I go, well, listen, 
you know, he goes like, how can God be, you know, more than one? You're saying Jesus was God. That's a, you're blaspheming. And I'm like, no, listen, God was more than one. And I quoted to him Deuteronomy 6, 4, you know, hear, O Israel, the Lord Yahweh is God. He's Elohim. When I said Yahweh, he went off the hook. He starts dropping F-bombs on me. He's like cursing at me. And these two guys that I'm witnessing to, they're just like looking at their mentor here. And he's like got veins popping out of his neck. I mean, he's completely losing it. And But I was just sharing with them. And it was so cool. You use the name of the Lord. You use it in a holy manner. The point is this. His name is above all names. He is holy. His name should be honored and sacred to us as believers. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app. Core Truth is sponsored by and is a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you've been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA, all one word, to 77977. You can also get via our app and online at corechurchla.org. Or you can mail your support to P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034.